Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Hello and welcome to The Word Podcast. I'm David Hepworth and I'm joined in the pod this week by... Andrew Harrison, hello. And... And Mark Ellen. Mark Ellen, fresh back from his holidays. Uh, which more possibly in due course. Right. Anyway, in a packed pro- <laughs> pack programme tonight, uh, we, we bring you how to win at pop quizzes. Uh, we offer you an opportunity to buy EMI because it's on sale today and we know how to get a word in the right ear. Uh, we're going to talk about things that have gone and will never come back. Stuff that people have been talking about on the, on the site. We're going to talk about the most expensive gig in the history of the world. And we're going to finish with the Neil Young story. Okay? So lots to get on with. Uh, but we start with Andrew reporting back from a <laughs> recent triumph yes. where he's been representing Word from, in the wider the world. Yes, yes. And, and I haven't had the full story here that Andrew took a team... To the Orange Pop Quiz, yes, which is a big deal. I think you, know, you should tell everybody what the prize was, first of all, Andrew. Well, the prize is four tickets to get to the Glastonbury Festival, and I'm sure that uh, VIP tickets, I should add, and I'm sure that the viewers will be amazed because they'll be imagining that we're just throat deep in Glastonbury tickets, aren't we? Nobody we're is. Not, nobody is. They're like hen's teeth, they get worse and worse every not, year. Not only are we not throat deep, but we have to, we have to pay for them. Pay, Almost full price. Pay money for them, yeah, yes, which is fair money. As we should. Yes. So, uh, Glastonbury yeah. tickets, seriously, are, you know, very desirable but, competition oh, yes. prize. So, no, you couldn't have anything much more desirable than that, could you, really? Two Glastonbury tickets would be much more okay, desirable. Well, yeah, right. well, so we, we all won one each, and this, uh, this is put together by the, uh, the sponsors of. Uh, one, well, they're not sponsors, are they? They're partners because they don't have sponsors. Nobody's a sponsor anymore. Media partners. Media partners. Orange, um, and they had a fantastic quiz uh, in um, 
in East London. Uh, How many teams participated? Uh, I think it was something like 25 to 30 teams, actually. And we beat them all, <laughs> including um, so, NME. And so you beat the NME. Let's go through this one. Yes. You beat the NME. Who else did you beat, Andrew? You beat Music Week. You beat um, Music Week. Uh, okay. Who else did you beat? Two teams from Music Week. And two, two teams, teams from Virgin. And countless other people. Um, the people who came last were actually Heat magazine. I understand uh, they oh, actually left, they left before they... They left at half time. To avoid the embarrassment so, well, they, they did. Well, the thing is, it's Heat they, magazine, and they probably turned up and go, oh, there's questions about Mika, and, you know, disco, and stuff like that. And, of course, it was all, can you identify this lyric from uh, Stay With Me by The Faces? And they just looked blankly and... Uh, so, to, can off. I say, well, in my experience of pop quizzes, there are a few people on the open market who are available to be signed up to bolster any team. Do you remember the Rocking Vicar? Do you mean the one? Carlos Tevez of the... Uh... Yeah, the kind of, I suppose, the John Tobler type, uh, Charlie Gillett characters who, who suddenly appear out of the blue. Yes. Uh, on the, uh, were there any of those guys? Well, actually, no, this was this was our crack team of um, me. Uh, oh, no, 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 I know. No, we, we, no, we, no, we, no, no I mean, I generally, well, I know our team. Tell everybody, tell everybody our team. Oh, our team was me, um, 70s Mike, the production editor, Toby Manning, and Eamon Ford, who turned out to be the ace in the hole with this kind of you know, kind of rain man automatic writing, filling in of all the questions before we could even get back from the bar. So Avon was a real <laughs> asset. He just, he just kind of goes into this trousers, Bob Dylan, and rattles it all down, and the answers are all there. Um, so it was. He's good across the board, then. He's good across the board. Well, but specific, specifically on Bob Dylan stuff, which obviously oh, right. I know nothing about. So he's been Perfect. Yeah. So you do you do a lot of this, don't you, Andrew? I mean, you are a regular at your local, aren't I'm you? Where they have one tonight, which is why I'm going to nick off in this uh, podcast uh, rather early. How yes, many I'm... bottles of Lambrusco have you won in your life? <laughs> I'm go... assuming this is the main prize. Mark, Mark we're, we're serious about this stuff. We go for the cash. We're not going for cheap. <laughs> cheap <laughs> cash. Oh, really? Did you, oh, did yeah. you win a trip to Las Vegas a couple of years? No, ago? we came half a point away from winning a trip to Las Vegas, which is amazing. The words team. This was. The beautiful, some of the readers and viewers will know this because it was in the magazine. Yeah. Uh, the beautiful South had a pub quiz to celebrate their covers album coming out, and it was uh, in no way was the fact that we came joint first related to the fact that the questions were being done by Stuart McConey. Uh, <laughs> but we came joint first with the guys from MVC Music Video Club, right. um, and beat Q Magazine. I hasten to add. Who did you beat again, Andrew? Q Magazine. All oh, right, uh, just once more. The uh, Q, Q, not very Q, good in it. Q Magazine. Who came fourth didn't place, unfortunately. Went even in the gongs. <laughs> Did they flounce at half time? There was the UEFA Cup spot. Good old John Ailes would have come over and clapped me on the shoulder and said, We'll send you a postcard from Las Vegas. And this just made us all go. <laughs> and, uh, so, anyway, so we came joint first with NBC and it went to six penalties. Penalties, yes, it's six oh penalties. Unfortunately, uh, what was the last question? The last question was. They played uh, an Al Green tune, a bad cover version of an Al Green tune. It was, who is this bad cover version by? And the correct answer was Lamar from Pop Idol, one of the Pop Idol things. And Dorian Linsky, who was on the team with us, said, I have sat five feet away from Lamar while he performed that song. And even I didn't remember. So we were kind of, you know, we felt a bit gutted there. And we felt even more gutted the next day when a question that would have been, you know, would have made the need for tiebreakers completely unnecessary. Um, who did the original version of The Only Way Is Up made famous by Yaz and the Plastic Population featuring Coldwell or vice versa? Do you know? The original, the, the original? I, I don't. No, go on. Well, imagine the screams of agony that rent the office when the iPod played the original by Otis Clay the very next day. I could just look in my pockets. Mockingly. 
Yeah, so, did they have an experience like that when the Glastonbury team played? We, uh, the, word, the word team at Glastonbury played, was it last year or the year before? The year before. Do you remember? Before, I was basically yeah. brought in because in the days before, 70s Mike, and there's a clip in his name there, I was meant to be the 70s expert. They played, didn't they? Yeah, Memories yeah. from a free festival by yeah. David Bowie, yeah. and I didn't know the answer. Schoolboy, school yeah. It was appalling. Well, yeah. we still won, didn't we? Some little we did, we did year. win, yeah. Yeah. But we would have, if we'd, on that quick, the Visual South Coast, we would have won a week in Las Vegas. Expenses oh, paid yeah. for us and our spouses or civil partners. Yeah. That's a serious, yeah, serious so, prize. But, but the NBC guys, they, they, they won it, and, and I think, uh, in retrospect, they deserved it because didn't the company close down like three weeks? Yeah, ago? the company so closed. They, they all lost their jobs. So they that, could, you know, that'll well. teach people to cross Andrew Harrison <laughs> in in the pop quiz. In the pop quiz, thanks. I'm terrible Divine at justice. I'm not bad at pop quizzes, but I hate anything that's, that involves a number. Anywhere where they say what year was this or or what position well you can you can at certain points in your life, Andrew. Yeah. And you, you go back to your teenage years, yeah. you can work out what year that was. Well, we you have were, a very strong sense of chronology yeah. about your teenage years. When you get into your, as I am now, in my 30s, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> less... That's a lot less clear, isn't yeah. it? You know, so I tend to just black out on anything. Well, you, though, David, have written some great pop quiz questions. I'm very good. I, very good I, to, to, to blow my own trumpet, I'm quite good at doing the questions. And what I've, I've, I've developed a theory over the years... That the definition of, an in, of a good pop quiz question is if you don't know the answer, when you are told the answer, you go, ah, you rather to, than go, well, you've got to want to know the answer. Uh, the yeah, answer it's yeah. going to be intriguing. Yeah, the answer is 1967, or Verthoen, who cares? It's absolutely. You wrote, you wrote a theme for pop quiz that I attended once, which was a, a, a wonderful ca- category where you were told, to, you had to guess the group, just their Christian names, so you get... Ray, Dave, Mick, and Pete. Yeah, and you just and have you to work desperately out. want to know the answer, of course. The Kinks. And you couldn't. You, know. you couldn't pretend when you were told the answer that you weren't expected to know. It was knowledge you kind of had in your head. Yeah, yeah. You simply had to marshal it in some way yeah. within your team. You know, and that's the that's the skill. Anyway, I went to uh, I went to not quite a pop quiz, but a, a sort of black tie charity quiz yeah. the other week with Chris McFadden, who's a friend of this magazine, and a bit of a horse racing man is Chris, he and he is. goes to this big, uh, he takes the table every year at this big horse racing charity do, where you find yourself competing against all the major bookmakers and Channel 4 racing and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And they have various different rounds on different themes. And I'm always taken along as the man who's supposed to know about pop music. And I have to say, as the years go by, as the years go by, this gets harder and harder, because the waterfront's getting wider and wider all the time. You think, I might be lucky here or yes. it might just wander into an area I know the whole nothing category about, about Apex Twin and then they'll be looking at you going I thought you spread it about so I'm going to throw this one at you Mark which oh, is God. the one that tripped me up and it didn't ought to how many number ones did the Beatles have in the 1960s and as again it's a question it's a number question which you know brought me out in hives but you know my God! You, you don't have an instant answer. Well, no, yeah. I don't because I don't. Again, I don't have a mind that uh, that works that way. And if I did, I, I would have many more examples on my mantelpiece of the uh, Taiwanese trophy maker's heart. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I said, the I, is they, they all sit there and look at I me, mean, and I 12. go, I go eleven, uh, and uh, God, I've just gone blank and just think eleven sounds roughly about right. And uh, and they, they, they come, they they tot up the the you know the points. They go seventeen, and I I go that. Can't be right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm ready to go up to yeah. the starters yeah. box. You know, yeah. you're yeah. counting the seventies reissues. Are yes, you counting? Are you counting Eleanor Rigby as a double A side? You and I'm so into steam coming out of my ears because I'm really embarrassed in front of the rest of the team. Yeah, going, I look, thought you knew about that. Yeah. And of course, I go home. You know, 
uh, and uh, and I look on the internet. Sure enough, seventeen. You know, very deflated at the end of the evening. Oh, know. it is. No, but, but anyway, well, yeah. I, I, I conclude that you shouldn't have been deflated to know that because it's not interesting. Enough. Yeah. I it's think exactly you're exactly right. what we're talking about. It's Paul, not Literally, who cares? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you a better question about the Beatles. Right? I'll give you the answer now. It's a question probably written by you too, which is which UK group all married foreigners? Yeah, and it's a brilliant one because the answer is the Beatles. Yeah, three of them married Americans and one married someone from Japan. Japanese. Yeah, absolutely. So that's fascinating. So anyway, uh, you know, Andrew will uh, report from his next triumph when presumably you go into Europe now with uh, now that you've won everything there is to win in this in yeah, these the shorts. Questions, <laughs> the questions there are about like Johnny Halliday and the Scorpions. <laughs> yeah, so that's we're that we don't win there. PFM AC Milan. So that's uh, that's pop quizzes. You listen to the the Word podcast, uh, wordmagazine.co.uk. If you want to know any more about it, I'm David Hepworth. I'm joined here by Andrew Harrison and Mark Ellen. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Hot off the uh, off the presses or the wires this morning is the news that EMI, which used to be called. We're still in the pop. No, it used to say on its records. Imperial record. <laughs> yes, it will be. Yes, it will be. Should be the Her English is, Music Institution. It's probably called like the Department of Putting Out Recorded Music or something. Gramophone records for the people. British label. Pressed upon Bakelite. No. I think it was called the greatest recording organisation in the world. Oh, see, I thought it was an they used, they used to say. Oh, right, oh no. Oh right. Oh, that's electrical and musical industries. Oh, stands for, doesn't it? Surely. They should go back to calling it that. They should. And was that the picture of the old dog with the... With the, with the, with the oh, that's more complicated, because that's HMV, his master's voice, which was kind of incorporated into EMI, and there then people then write right, books yeah. about the... About the I tell you, if it the changes the thing back to electrical and Not very big selling books. The share price right. would double, just it, because of what it was called. It, it, people it, go, oh, it's probably the internet. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, so anyway, the yeah, story is... The story is that today they've agreed, or roughly agreed, with a private equity company called Terra Firma... Which is alarm bells on. Don't worry, don't worry. We're not just a bunch of wide boys with yeah, access to a load of money. Yeah. We are, you know, we're. I'd be happy to be bought by something called Glitterbest. <laughs> 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 just Terry Firm. But anyway. <laughs> Oh, sweet. Oh, I've got a quarter here. They have said to agree to price of £3.2 billion pounds, okay. uh, for EMI. What do you get for that? Well, I, that's an interesting Cold question. Coldplay, the Pet Shop Boys. Coldplay, the Pet Shop Boys. Robbie uh, Williams. Robbie Williams, he'll never Williams make it in America. Does, and yeah. oh, oh, the Beatles and oh, Nora Jones, no, which just, is tends to be the way. You get some of the Beatles. You get a look at the Beatles. You get so a little bit of Queens. You get a couple of Queen? I, d- I don't know. I, the story uh, reported today is that what's really worth the money is the music publishing bit of it. Uh, well, what I hear from internet chatter, Dave, is that uh, <laughs> that's a you can always trust. In my CTU capacity as the uh, Jack Bauer of stupidness, um, that basically the, what, the, the terra firma idea is um, publishing and catalogue, they're not really interested in signing new bands. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because I should imagine that if you're a record label, you are in a similar position to large publishing companies that we have all worked for in the past, naming no names. If you're not launching things, you're just closing things. If you're not signing bands, you're just dropping them, and you're going to contract. And the idea that you can just be this kind of licensing, compilations, whatever, um, outfits with nothing new on the runway seems a bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I can't imagine exactly how it's going to work out because what private equity firms are well known for doing is going in there and buying big conglomerates yeah. and then splitting them down into that bit's worth a lot of money, we can sell that to so and so. That bit's worth less money, we can sell that well, over there. Really like that because you can't just go. Well, they're not just a record label. Catalog. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, okay, they're not, but I mean, they're substantially irreparable. You can't just go, okay, we're just going to keep the publishing in the catalogue. We're not going to bother with the generating new stuff. No, no, maybe. So, you know, uh, but uh, but apparently one of the stories in the financial press today is that they've agreed this uh, bid in order to flush out potential other buyers. So I don't know if you're interested, Mark, uh, if you can, you know, if you can top 3.2 billion... Uh, now's the time to get in and make a phone call, you know, any time before lunchtime tomorrow. It could be done so easily. EM, yeah. EMI could be yours. I think we at Development Hell ought to buy it. Would it reflect badly on us uh, if we had bought it? Obviously, which we could clearly afford to do. Would, would we then, people who are looking for biased reviews of EMI products? They might just be. I don't know. They might Still just be. Well, I've, I've, got, I've got to offer just a brief footnote to this EMI story, which I, I read today. Have you seen the story of the EMI and the pictures that got uh, thrown into the bin by the cleaner? Is this the, the Beatles picture? The Beatles ones looking at I don't know, I've been on holiday, yeah. I don't know anything about it. I'd only just caught up with this. It happened about a week what? ago or something. Like that. Well, it's been a court yeah, over the last few weeks. Yeah. That <laughs> EMI's Hammersmith headquarters down in Brook Green. Um, somebody at night leaves out in a box or something or in a file or whatever but on a desk a load of pretty valuable uh, original transparencies and photographs uh, uh, taken official pictures taken of the Beatles including things like Angus McBean's original pictures for the Please Please Me cover and all that kind of stuff down the old stairwell yes which I was only reading today about how he took that picture you know, Angus McBean was a legendary kind of theatrical photographer, yeah. terribly camp. And they just somebody decided they'll get Angus McBean to come and take the picture. He walks into EMI reception at Manchester Square, the old EMI reception. Yeah, yeah. He's standing there waiting to be introduced to the Beatles. He looks up, sees the staircase, goes, that'll do. Yeah. Get him up there. He lies down on his back in reception, fires off six shots, goes, done. Boys, and he's hooking down a martini within 15 minutes. <laughs> yes. That actually is brilliant. Nowadays, they'd have to have lunch for months before yeah, you know, anybody actually took a picture. That guy actually only strayed into the building a full, what, 20, 25 feet from the front reception door, didn't he? Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Looked at, well, was, it any, was it the fact that he wasn't terribly interested in his subject? You know, well, he, 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 he probably, probably barely heard of them. These he was, pop groups won't last. Well, absolutely, uh, he was a man. Here they come <laughs> down the stairs now. Stay there, boys. Which one's Bongo? So anyway, these were amongst these pictures that were in this Filing um, in this file, which apparently, according to witnesses, had a sticker on it saying, Not rubbish, do not chuck. Okay? Cleaner comes in. Now, this is all in, in court, this so it's all alleged. This is now in court that. involving EMI, involving the cleaning company, you know, a big yeah. company like these companies often are. Um, you know, everybody's saying, oh, there was no piece of paper on it, or, you know, it wasn't clearly indicated. But basically, these pictures were... Up. No! They've thrown away. They, they're in a landfill somewhere, you know? Or they're on a barge <laughs> going around the world. But isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. They've probably been turned into cat's eyes or something, haven't they, in today's research? I'm quite astonished they made the journey from Manchester Square to Square in the first place, actually. I mean, that's good. At least that's good. At least there's an archive somewhere that's been... No, no, these were in. They were, they, supposed made, to, they were supposed to be going to the archive. He just left them out, saying, not rubbish, don't chuck. Now, it could be... Uh, I don't want to get into stereotypes, but it could be some person cleaning who didn't, you know, saw the word rubbish and thought... Yeah. <laughs> That's rubbish. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, might have thought a yeah, workable solution is don't leave it out on the desk in the first place. Oh, Put it in yeah. a cupboard. But anyway, that's so that's so that's uh, that's where uh, that's where all that stuff ended up. You know, it's all uh, it's all going to go into my radio program. I'm going to make one day, which I've been talking about for years, called "Where Is Everything." 
you know, because I think we work we work on the basis that everything valuable is being kept somewhere, and it I, isn't. I, I just is the saw truth. a photograph today. But you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, I it's know. disappearing. You know? The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Okay, this is the Word podcast, uh, wordmagazine.co.uk. I'm David Hepworth, and I'm joined by Andrew Harrison and Mark Ellen. And we bring you news, listeners, of the priciest gig or series of gigs in the history of the world, mm-hmm. which is taking place, we hear, in East Hampton, New York, in July. And if you buy a pass to five shows, and these are five individual shows, which feature James Taylor, Prince, Dave Matthews, Tom Petty, and Bill, Billy Joel, a pass will cost you $15,000. And what do you get? Do you get, I mean, all the chicken wings you can eat as well, or just, just the, the seat of the concerts? You, I, I, we don't know a lot of detail, but we do know that they're saying that the seating for this concert, you know, seating, that's it's a nice, nice concept yeah. in itself, no, it includes day beds, <laughs> ottomans, <laughs> and Moroccan so pillows. Basically, it's going to be well, a, it's a, worth a, it. a mixture of kind of Eastern potentates and the, the bedridden, basically. <laughs> Year old billionaire. Oh, yeah, I think what we need at this point I think what we need at this point is just a little kind of social scene setting here. And for this, we're gonna go over to our American correspondent. <laughs> okay. American bureau our, desk. Our yes. man our man in Manhattan. Married to an American girl. Andrew right. Harrison, citizen of Liverpool, spent what, a year or more of your life in New York? Yeah, and change, yes. A, a year, and then I go back a lot, because I'm married to an American girl. Yeah. So, and you can explain to us how East Hampton and the Hamptons or whatever are not just another address, are they? Well, They're not just another suburb, are they? It's not Southport, it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not uh, Western Superman. No, it's the, it's the far end of Long Island, and it's posh, and it's exclusive, and... Uh, it's kind of, um, it's a bit F. Scott Fitzgerald-y, really. And it is, every year, uh, just becomes this horrible display of wealth and exclusivity. And, you know, um, there's... Uh, that, there's that sounds nice. No, that's not nice. So it's, just, <laughs> it's horrible people showing them what they've been. I mean, and, and, and transforming what were, you know, probably at one time, quite nice little fishing villages into just nasty... Greedville-type places where everything's expensive and everybody's horrible. So, nice places to go if there's nobody there, but unfortunately it's full of horrible people. Can, can I just have to butt in here and say that Andrew is actually completely right, because I remember now that I have been to the Hamptons. Oh, How did you get there? So horrible, you I went over an old, old, old pal of mine, Ian Birch. We How did he get there? Because Ian had, had a house there, right? We were there on holiday, and this is absolutely true. Steven Spielberg, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, has a house there, right? Almost certainly. Yeah. And Bill Clinton, while we were up there, was going to stay with Spielberg. And what actually happened was that the, the beach uh, was just, it, it was impossible to relax because there were helicopters just buzzing yeah. up there. And what they threatened to do, and I'm not exaggerating, right, there's a stretch of water at the back of Spielberg's place, a lake, and they, the security felt they were going to have to drain this lake in order to make sure that nobody, knowing Sp- that, uh, Clinton, who I believe was the president at the time, was staying with Spielberg, could actually get into scuba diving equipment and get underneath this lake and somehow get up into this house. That is how much consternation and grief was caused by the, the, even the rumour yes. that the president was going to go and stay with Spielberg. So, so to say that it's, this is a, a, a top draw, top knob kind of place is completely yeah. right. This is the poshest it, place on God's earth, earth, isn't it? It really is. No, it's not posh, it's just rich. Okay. Which is very, very different. Oh, okay. and, uh, because posh people would never do anything as ridiculous as drain a lake because there's a sniper 
Labour frogman in there. They just take their <laughs> chances, wouldn't they? But Americans have to take this stuff incredibly seriously and, you know, drain the lake because maybe the shark from Jaws is in it and wants his revenge on Steven Spielberg. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I would just say, don't go. Don't spend the 15 well, I, grand on Do you think there's any thing. danger that anybody listening to this podcast has, has gone and written this down well, and gone, $15,000, that sounds quite reasonable. As you know, Dave, we've got a very, very exclusive gold top. We have issue. a very upmarket yes, demographic. Triple A. I hope uh, some are advertising listening. But, they, <laughs> yeah. but it... But it, it it is, the, it is the obvious place to cite the most expensive gig in the world, isn't it? Oh, yeah. With all, yeah. But it's, isn't it just part of a, of a trend? I'm sure we've had this conversation before, about the idea that, that, that you could play Wembley Arena to, to, to 10,000 people, uh, you know, for, for, for £100 a ticket or whatever, or you could play to, you know, 1,000 people for £1,000 a ticket, or yep. you could play to, uh, what is it now, 100 people for £10,000 a ticket, or you can just, you can work that equation well, any way you want. What you can do is you can play for the Sultan of Brunei, and the Sultan of Brunei's son is a big fan of pop. Yeah. And when I worked at Smash Hits briefly, don't laugh, one of the girls there was the Sultan of Brunei's mate, who kept the Sultan, uh, Sultan of Brunei's son's mate, rather. And the Sultan of Brunei's son will be on the phone <laughs> saying, what's going on with Blue? What's going on with all oh, these terrible bands like 3SL and Lisa Scott well, What's going on is they're completely washed up in this country. <laughs> the they can trouser yeah, $400,000. Totally. What's going on is there's only one person in the world that gives a flying one about how to help this man. Luckily, he's going to become the richest man <laughs> in the world. <laughs> he actually came to the office once. Little, little oh, really? It was surrounded by those comedy security bouncers, you know, just gigantic guys with rotating heads yeah. and dark glasses. And he came in just said, hey, it's the new, I don't know, um, hearsay album out. So how was he introduced in the Smash Hits office? I'm trying to imagine this. He wasn't. He just materialised. But they, everybody just looked up and they, they <laughs> went, there's a Middle Eastern potentate with a squad of security. There's, there's that guy, and we know what he is, don't we? And he was nice, actually. We were hoping for Johnny, Johnny nice HCS PR. Well, we get to stop and Yeah, if you're going to inherit all the money in the world, you can be nice. So that's one way you can make a fortune. You yeah. can play... Private parties for yeah, immensely yeah. rich people. And, you know, it's it, you know, without wishing to libel people, there are gigantic megastars who do this, and they keep it very, very quiet because it's kind of embarrassing. It's more embarrassing than being sponsored by I don't know Union Carbide on your tour. I don't know if it's well, the, I don't know if it's embarrassing don't anymore. It's embarrassing actually, I think they've stopped piece, being embarrassed. We ran a piece about it in Word about it last week. So the guy who sponsors the Cornbury Rock Festival, whose media partner, of course, this is, as you know, is the Word. Get your thanks. tickets. Uh, yes. Yeah, Hugh Fillmore also puts on a special concert for you know, billionaires in, in, in Monaco or whatever. Did one last year? Whitney Houston, who uh, he, he was quite happy for me to print. He paid one. Point two five million dollars for Whitney and her entourage to perform. What was it? Six songs, I think. And she and does. She, only, she, only and she didn't. The she didn't sing she the chorus. She actually spoke the verses and had six girls to sing the chorus. Yes, hit oh, the Nice work. That was the yeah. part. That was the party where they had Whitney Houston, so Enrique, Enrique Iglesias, Iglesias, and Christina Aguilera. Christina Aguilera was yeah. part of the bill. That was that was the wedding of a, a Russian businessman. Um, and which is apparently where a great deal of the of these parties are coming from at the moment. So it's, it's, it's like redistribution of wealth, isn't it? Really, from the new global, you know, super beyond well, rich. Well, I, I tell you, who's you know, these are, it, basically in the scheme of things, Christina Aguilera is little more than the London Underground street busker playing streets of London. Uh, in you know being handed. See, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything wrong with this. I mean, Mozart used to do this, didn't they? Yeah, this is perfectly. You played for well, rich I, people, I, I didn't Mozart, you? That's yeah, and, and what Mozart did was he actually wrote the music for them as well. Yeah, and he know. did. I you know, in, in, in your, uh, he, he would write a song in your honor, wouldn't but, he? They're, they're yeah. Not a problem. Well, the person who's, who's redistributing wealth very, very successfully on her own, actually, is, is, is Barbara Streisand, isn't she? Because she's coming to this country very soon, and her tickets are five hundred pounds 
a show. And she's playing 13 <laughs> shows. I can't remember what venue is it. Is it the O2? It's somewhere absolutely colossal. But anyway, it's 500 quid. Well, she did in the States. When she played in the States, the tickets were $1,000. Now, the other interesting dimension to this, I understand, is this is promoters trying to hit back against touting. Because... Uh, tickets, tenth row tickets. I'm going to make a serious capitalist point here. Okay, <laughs> tenth row tickets for Jimmy Buffett and Madison Square Garden. Tenth yeah. row are currently going on eBay and StubHub, which is apparently one of the big ticket trading okay. yeah. sites, for um, just under three thousand dollars. Right. So these will be tickets whose face value is, I don't know, 200 something like that. What it basically means is a load of quite wealthy people are prepared to pay whatever it takes to get a decent seat Absolutely, at these yeah. kind of places. So the promoters think to themselves, well, if they're going to give $2,800 to yeah, the town, sure, why don't you give all 3000 to me? I mean, I like and yeah. Bill Flanagan, occasional contributor to this magazine, who lives in New York City, he was telling me uh, not long ago that he tried to get Broadway show tickets for his yes. wife's wedding anniversary, tried to get to see the History Boys, in, in, which is a bit, the Alan Bennett thing, which is a big hit on Broadway. And he rang up here on a particular night, said, and they said, we got nothing. So, sorry, we got nothing. He said, well, top dollar. It says, no, we got nothing at all. He said, you really got nothing. And then they left it a pause and said, well, we do keep a small number... Uh, for very special, very special demand, and basically the top dollar was two hundred. But if you gave them five hundred, they'd sell you a ticket Love to that. go and see this. Yeah. And so Bill said to me, basically they're scalping their own tickets. Yes, you know, it's it's commodity <laughs> dealing. You know, yeah. and but and and now that you've got a mechanic like eBay, which facilitates these things, because yeah. you know dealing with a town used to be a difficult, grubby well, thing to, to get do. Very nearly get stabbed. Well, but but it is all... now the easiest thing in the world, mm. and and you know people, people are time you know also, time poor cash rich yeah. or whatever you know they'll, you they'll to, do it. the other thing is that you, when dealing with a tail, there used to be a select crew of um, you know scary Mancunians and Scousers etc. I thought I, I thought he was going to miss out the Scousers. <laughs> 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 I've got to be equal opportunity here, um, and there wasn't very many people that you were dealing with. Consequently. You know, all right, a market operated, and you might get a, a, a markup that kind of hurt you a bit, but wasn't ludicrous like this. What eBay has done is send everybody into a scalper. People just buy tickets speculatively now. They do. But you don't know? people enjoy the idea of being scalped? Because it's to do with kind of elitism, isn't it? I interviewed Janet Street Porter in the current edition of The Word, and she talks about going to see the opera in Paris, and she said it's completely sold out. So, so obviously, I was then tipped off and I had to ring up Maurice. Uh, at the reception desk on the Champs Elysees, and he could uh, sort me out with a couple of tickets, which were four hundred euros each, you know, yeah. for a, you know two hours entertainment or whatever. And she was absolutely delighted with the idea. But I think she that, doesn't that say a bit more about Janet Street Porter and their strange sense of uh, of, of reality? Of reality. What, what most people would think, which is most people just resent paying this extra money. We're lucky; we work in the business; we can usually swing the tickets if we want. And in fact, I spend more time helping out mates. Than I do, you know, my going to see things myself, you know, just because it's about the only way you get to see something nowadays. But I, you know, I, I think you waste a lot of energy in being indignant about this, you know, and people are, and I kind of understand why they are. And you get these stories blowing up on Radio Four, yeah. don't you, regular on regular basis, you know, uh, ticket, you know, 
uh, auction site eBay was today accused yeah. of, you know what I mean? It's Profiteering. Not it's not eBay. It's not eBay. It's, it's people. People, yeah, people. It's your next door neighbour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is doing this. Yes. And, and you can't argue against human nature. Yeah. And the test was they were talking about this a lot last week on the radio because of the cup final, obviously. And you know, yeah. we just had the FA Cup final. We've got the European this week. And and the question put was. Okay, somebody offers you two cup final tickets and you don't support either of the teams. Do you go or do you ring up the mate of yours that you know is the supporter of one of those teams and offer them to them? Well, the honest answer is, frankly, you go. Because you don't get many opportunities but to get a cup final. Have you ever heard anybody... And I've done it myself. Have you ever heard anybody times. say that they were ripped off by a tout? Because, by definition, you can't be ripped off by a tout because you have agreed at a price with this tout that you, you believe is, is the right amount for you to go in and have whatever experiences you want to pay yeah. to go in and have. And the alternative so is not to go. Yeah. Yeah, the alternative is go home and feel really ripped off so you didn't get to see the concert. Yeah. But but I've only bought three. a ticket off a tout once, actually, which was to I've see a Paul, a Paul, Paul McCartney uh, concert just playing around the corner from my house. Uh, well, not around the corner, the Albert, the Albert Hall. <laughs> and I didn't know... Yeah, and I didn't know. He, about he it. doesn't live <laughs> in the Albert Hall. And I, I thought, I thought I really wanted to go. It was a spur of the moment thing. I didn't know he was playing right there, so I went out there. It was fantastic watching the price come down. The guy says two hundred quid, mate. I said, what two hundred quid for what? So I got a bit uh, snarky about. It. He said, for the gods, you know, gods, you can stand, stand. So I'm doing a really, really terrible accent here for a town. So that's what he spoke like. For, that's for the gods, standing up in the gods, right? For two hundred quid. I said, but you know, concert just started. I'm not paying two hundred quid, mate. I missed two songs already. They said, all right, 150. And this conversation went on. I thought, I decided what I was going to pay, which was £50. So it was quite interesting just watching the metre come down with each song because he was faced with the reality. So he had a piece of paper that was going to be worth precisely nothing So when Paul one hour's Because could you hear the strains of Paul McCartney singing Hey Jude when you got it down to five pounds? Good night, everybody. I hope we've we passed the audition. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it for five pounds. Yeah, you just have to work out what's your 50 quid going to buy you? Is it 10 songs? Is it 8 songs or whatever? So anyway, this, will, this will continue to rage. Uh, what's the plushiest circumstances anybody's ever been to a gig? Oh, God. Uh, While you're thinking, I'll throw in mine. You I, I went, James I went, Taylor I went see, This wasn't that plush, but it was just... It was my first introduction to the big country house circuit for gigs. I went to see James Taylor at Blickling Hall near Norwich. It's a very nice National Trust property. Very nice audience of very, very well-behaved, middle-aged, middle-class people who'd all turned up with the, makings, <laughs> no with the makings of the mother and father of a picnic. You know, people were heading down to the stage, tables behind them, you know, yeah. crates, cool boxes, garden furniture. And, you know, and we set up our teller, about ten of us, you know, passing around the chicken pieces and the champagne and so forth. They were having a lovely time. And I thought, we're, we're made in the shade here. And it was only like when I looked around, I realised at the next table, they had not one but two silver candelabra. <laughs> You're they were lighting people the can't can- see. Yeah. You can't see. Can you move the candelabra? I can't see James Taylor. What's he playing there? They then hold it up in the air. <laughs> That's wave five candles. Yeah. <laughs> so I th- the next step will be somebody turning up with a butler or something. Yeah. You know, again, we'll be all right if my man comes in. We have an know. extension and a standard lamp will be put up. We're paying so, cable. So that was my favourite. Anybody got anything God, in those kind of? Because no, that's yeah. the future of gig guy. Yeah. That kind no, of thing. I, mean, I, I actually don't. I, I don't want to go to gigs under those circumstances. I, I like them being oh, a bit crowded. It's Andrew Hairshirt here. You see, no, but, just, but you don't go to see James Taylor. No, I wouldn't go to. <laughs> the, the nearest thing to, to, to Swanky was going to see the Pet Shop Boys do that thing with the big orchestra at the Mermaid Theatre when there seemed to be more people on stage than there were in the audience it was very 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 intimate and you're literally ten feet away from not just the Pet Shop Boys but also the Art of Noise who were basically backing them 
and the BBC Concert Orchestra. Yeah. And it's just amazing. There's something oh, about there's something about orchestra. Glass of Chablis and a cold chicken. Not at all. Oh well. Well, I enjoyed that. Hamper. The word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. We have to do a certain amount of what they used to call at conferences, housekeeping. Oh, yeah. yeah at this oh. point. Uh, and I keep meaning to, to say this. Uh, you, you can download the Word podcast either off the Word site, wordmagazine.co.uk, or through iTunes. Cost you nothing at the iTunes store. And there's a very nice device on iTunes where you can... You can uh, publish feedback if you happen to enjoy this, okay? Uh, yes, just just offer a bit of feedback, and it sort of goes up the iTunes chart and so forth. And we've been in the we've been in the staff favourites on I- the say, iTunes. Take the opportunity to say we are staff and staff top five. They, 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 right? yeah, there's obviously iTunes. somebody there who likes us, and that's that's very nice well, to hear. But if you listen to these podcasts and you feel like you know voting for it and suggesting that other people might like to listen to listen to it, go and do it uh, to uh, at the. Uh, on the iTunes store. Uh, anyway, that's the housekeeping. I've got a thing on uh, running on the website at the moment, uh, wordmagazine.co.uk, just about um, stuff that will never come back in pop music. Uh, you know, we, we do tend to accept that most things come back round. You know, that there's, a, I don't know, there's a sort of rockabilly revival or a singer-songwriter revival or whatever. Uh, but... Uh, but there's been a, div- a vigorous debate about uh, certain things that appear to have gone never to return. And one thing that is particularly seasonal that somebody pointed out, what's, what's usually in the chart in May and isn't in the chart this year? Oh, this will be some kind of football-related thing, right? Absolutely. Football, football, I'd never that. occurred FA to me Cup, before yeah. that you've got the two FA Cup final teams, nobody made a record. How long has it been since anybody made a record? To, to mark being in the cup oh, final. But it was compulsory. Wasn't it, it used to be everybody. Blue is the colour. Manchester United. All I'm sure that this, the, 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 I'm sure it's up more recently than you think. I mean, I, I myself only recently downloaded the Anfield rap uh, produced by Derek B. Not a lot of people know that, which is, features quality rapping from the Liverpool squad of, I think, 19. Can you oh, I'm going to say, can so you it's not, of their okay, so it's not, it's, it's 1999, but it's gone, hasn't yeah, it? but I mean, Suggs did Blue Day with Chelsea in about 1998 or something, didn't it? But you see, don't you think it's be one of those things that when they go back and trace the history of football and the point at which the money got completely out of hand, was you'd be able to trace it to when they stopped doing those records. Yeah. Because those records used to make money that used to go into something they called the player's pool, yeah. didn't it? Oh, right, yeah. they, didn't, anything on top of playing football... If you were suddenly in a big final, the perks were there was a player's pool. You'd go and sign a load of autographs, there'd be a special dinner, you'd do a record. And if you sold a million copies or whatever, everybody got to have a bit of that. Imagine saying that to Steve Gerrard. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, Steve, there could be three grand in this for you. I was editing this uh, this piece for the next issue today. It was uh, an interview with uh, Alan Corran in in the next issue of Word. And he makes this brilliant point. He said he worked out with his son Giles. They're watching the uh, match on the television. He worked out that, that David Beckham had earned in three matches the equivalent of, of £40,000 per kick. Right? They worked out how many times he touched the ball. Oh, right? well, yeah, to contact, contact said, yeah. yeah. And he said that Bobby Moore probably earned £20,000 you know, in one entire year. Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. Well, certainly, if you go back in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was one of those things that had disappeared, and I hadn't realised it had disappeared. Because the other thing they pointed out had disappeared is uh, Eurovision songs. Because it used to be that whatever was the British entry would go in the would chart. Be a chart. Hit, yeah. And if it was then, if it then did well, it'd be a big hit. Yeah. But also, whatever was the ultimate winner would probably do quite well in, yeah. in all the local charts across Europe. Not the case anymore, is it? Well, um, I think that Eurovision 
is a huge question on its own, isn't it? And I watched Eurovision the other night and was surprised at how annoying Terry Wogan had become because this whole sort of thing about like, oh, well, you know, it's just Europe scratching each other's backs, that's destroyed the whole of Eurovision. Actually, that seems to be really, you know, past the sell-by date right now. People, what people want out of Eurovision now is actually a proper Eurovision song contest like you used to get that would produce those hits that you were just talking about. And the, the whole of Eurovision has just spiralled off into this kind of light entertainment, uh, you know, s- more about spoofs of pop music than pop music itself. I think that's what's killed Eurovision. You don't think it's also that just Europe as a concept is now is so big, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it just it got is, so it many nations involved. I, I, I you can't hold a consensus together. I, mean, I think the, 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 you know, the record-buying public ha- have some sort of affection for countries they might have visited on holiday. But if Moldavia or whatever is the big story, they haven't got any great concept of what Moldavia no, is. No, we don't, even, really don't, we don't do even have a stereotype, do no, we? We haven't no, got the stereotype no. yet. Would it's you please provide that? It's, kind of, ju- it's just easy. Eastern Europe to it's us. So anyway, British Eurovision winners, will we ever see any more of those? I don't know. Will we ever see any more novelty records made by disc jockeys? Do you know, I was thinking about that this afternoon because it was virtually mandatory in the nineteen eighties, wasn't it? To make I mean Mike Reed had a, had a group called the Train Spotters. Do you know that? <laughs> to regularly put out records, don't they oh. chart Kenny Everett put out loads of records. He was kind of novelty. Who was Laurie Lingo and the Dipsticks? Oh, God. The Dave, John, Lee John, John the, Dave, Dave Lee Travis, I think it was. It was the kind of CB radio yeah. oh, kind yeah. of... Of course. But I mean, at the other end of the scale, the, the not as high-profile Liz Kershaw, our Elizabeth, uh, sister of Andy Kershaw, formed a group with Bruno Brooks, this may be stressful, Dave, called Dawn Chorus and the Blue Tits. God, I remember. They put out, they did, honestly, with Bungalow Brooks, nothing up top, Because <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could always guarantee it was going to get uh, it was going to get played on the radio at yeah. least once, wasn't it? Well, the man, the man who came in, of course, steamed in and, and, and uh, put them all in the shade was the mighty weird Al Yankovic, the American kind of Steve Wright. Do you remember him? Yeah, well, he's still around, still doing still, stuff. Who put out a terrible pastiche of a Michael Jackson record called Eat It. Yeah. Hilarious joke, obviously, meant to be, you know, referring to some internationally recognised hand gesture and was an enormously high selling record all over the world so that took the wind out of Mike Reed's side, so we may not see that anymore I mean other things suggested Rob Fitzpatrick suggested the other day have we seen the end of the black group that well, black music is represented by solo performers or DOOs or whatever there's the roots isn't there uh, but I think that was everybody said that's pretty much the exception that proves the rule. You know yeah. that, that, that the days of I don't know the Jacksons or Trouble Funk or or Earth Wind and Fire or you know yeah, that it's, yeah. it's sort of just Five gone. Well, don't you think that, that yeah the, the moment at which you say well that, particularly in genres of music and styles of bands and so on the moment when you say well that's the end of that we'll never ever see it again is usually two minutes before it starts again. And I remember it sort of I remember in nineteen ninety nine having to close poor old Select magazine because well. Everybody just agreed that was the end of the groups, wasn't it? Two minutes later, the bloody strokes materialised. <laughs> That's right. Billions of the the classic. Pouring through the doors. Do you know the classic case of this in television, which we've just seen, is Come Dancing on, on BBC One, which yeah. used to be you know a, a tent pole of BBC schedules, and then just slowly fell into disuse, and everybody said, nobody young okay, is interested. Nobody's interested in ballroom dancing anymore. You'll never get a young audience watching this at all. Can it? Six months later, yeah. celebrity come down, strictly come down, say whatever they call it, national yeah. obsession. Yeah. yeah. So well, that stuff always comes back. You look at Saturday Night Telly now, it's ballroom dancing, talent shows, and Doctor Who. It's 1972. Yep. That could would, be the would case. you believe we'd all be sitting around watching a car programme in, in 2007? Fundamentally, audience. Fundamentally different kind of car programme, though, isn't it? Doesn't do any of the things that the old car program sought to do. Well, it's an entertainment programme done around cars, isn't yeah. it? Anyway, separate discussion. The word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, 
a way of life. Uh, you listen to the Word podcast, wordmagazine.co.uk. I'm David Hepworth. I'm joined by Andrew Harrison and Mark Allen. At this point in the podcast, it is customary to finish the proceedings with... A hoary old A hoary old... Just off the rock and roll anecdote. Uh, we, we don't care whether it's true or not, but it's got that. It's got the force of a folk tale. How many of these have we done? We've done about four or five. We've done about four or five. Well, in which case, Dave, have you done, remind me, Neil Young's. Have you, have you done that? The one I'm trying to the Neil, you mean You mean the Neil Young? Yeah, I did the Neil Young story. If you haven't done I it, haven't done the Neil Young story. It, it's a bit but difficult. The stage is yours. I need a little bit of help with this because it does involve it does involve a little bit of music. This uh, and we have to take advantage of the fact that Neil Young is is the only rock star that everybody can just about Andrew do some do, do some kind of impression of. Don't worry about that. Do some yeah. kind of impression of. Uh, but the story dates from from the time when Neil Young was a very very low ebb. Uh, when his good friends Danny Witten and his road manager Bruce Berry had both succumbed to you know heroin abuse or whatever, and um, and he was uh, he wrote what is commonly regarded as the most harrowing <laughs> set of songs. <laughs> I really love this story. Every <laughs> I can't wait for that. There's a million times. <laughs> the most harrowing, <laughs> depressing. Slasherist set of songs anybody's ever done. Funny, listener. <laughs> Keep it light. Keep it light. Uh, and uh, Neil, Neil had had scant contact with his management during this time. He'd just been holed up with his old mates, sitting around writing the songs that eventually became Tonight's the Night. Right. Uh, and there's a guy called Irving Atsoff, who's now a very, very big player in in, uh, in the music business. Who at the time had just joined Neil Young's uh, management. Straight. Uh, Bright-eyed, bushy tail, come straight out of UCLA or whatever. Gone to join Elliot Roberts Management. Yeah. What do you want me to do? And they said, "Well, Neil's starting his tour. He's doing a pre-tour tryout tonight in Northern California. Why don't you just go up there, you know, and just represent the management, be there, press yeah. the flash, whatever? Which is a really thankless job, anyway. But particularly with Neil Young, who you know doesn't deal with doesn't that kind of thing. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't press a lot of flash. Uh, anyway, Atsoff goes up there." Attempts to introduce himself to Neil, you know, I'm from the management, you know, and Neil kind of gives me a rather old fashioned look. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, Neil goes on stage that night in front of a hall full of people who are expecting his greatest hits. They're expecting Heart of Gold. Yeah. They're expecting all your favourites of After the Gold yeah. Rush and Harvest and so forth. Southern Man. Southern Man, everything. They're ready to whoop, they're ready to boogie, they're ready to get down. But instead, Neil goes on stage and there's no introduction or whatever. But he starts with the first of his new songs, which goes as follows. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. And it goes on like that. And then he follows it with the next song of the album, which is slightly more depressing. Follows it with the next song of the album, which is just a bit more depressing than that. Follows it by the next song, which is quite gloomy, actually. And it just because nobody in the world has heard these songs before. So he does... The 12 songs that comprise... The whole album. Tonight's the Night. Oh. And the, the applause is, which had sort of greeted him was, you know, energetic. And after a while, it's kind of... Yeah. It's kind of like this, you know. He comes off stage. They, 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 they summon a respectable ripple to get the encore. <laughs> and he goes back on stage. And he thinks... And he looks at the audience and he goes... Tonight's the night. And he does it again. Okay? Oh, he do- no, he doesn't oh, do the whole album. The one song, he does yeah. the one yeah. song. And he goes off again. Of course, you know, the hardcore died in the world 
Neil Young fans are still, they want yeah. more, you know. He turns to Irving Atsoff, who's standing in the, in the wings, giving him this look at the old stager who's going to kind of send up the young blood. You know. He goes, you're from management. What do you think I should do now? And Atsoff says, I think you should play them something they know. And Neil Young looks at him and goes, I think you're right. <laughs> he goes out on stage. No, he looks him in the you eye. You know it. You can see it's coming. He goes, They know it very well. They know, they know it very well, Andrew. They're more, they're more, <laughs> more so than they that. Than they that's Neil Young. You know, Oh, and he, you know, he, he he takes no prisoners at all, and he's he's not impressed. Anyway, so that's uh, God, we've been going on a long time on this podcast. We have. Um, you if you if you've made it to the end, uh, thanks very much. Thanks very much for listening. And as I said, if you want a feedback on the iTunes store, uh, please do so. If you want to know anything more about the magazine? Uh, WordMagazine.co.uk. Cheers. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Details at WordMagazine.co.uk. Mm-hmm.